Tony, welcome back to the podcast. I must admit, we are confirming that the questions were a bubble and that bubble has burst. We do not have any more questions. All five have all, been answered, have they? Yeah, all, I think all three that we went through. So, But we are, we are back on two topics today um, and discussing a few different things and, and sort of leading on from what we've been speaking about in the past couple of podcasts around that 10% and saving and the compound effect. Um, today, we want to match it, I guess, with affordability and the way that people afford their lifestyles and the way that people afford their mortgages. Are you sure you want to talk to me about instantaneous gratification and millennials? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I, you sure, I, Jamie? I, I, I do <laughs> get worried. We've had these discussions. <laughs> I definitely get worried introducing this topic sometimes. But no, I definitely think we need to touch on the way uh, in, in which people afford their mortgage. There's been a lot of talk around market um, of property prices crashing, um, the affordability of, of property. Uh, so that's why I thought I'd get you in and we'd touch on a few points today. Yeah, thanks. Um, where do you want to start in respect to the property? I guess, well, the first thing I want to start on is mortgage repayments and how some people can classify them as savings. I guess that, that term that goes around is, well, I don't have to save anymore, I'm paying off my mortgage. Yeah, no, it's, um, as you know, I've always said that yeah, the first 10% of your net income should be going towards investments. And that's first 10% is even before mortgage repayments or before rent or before going grocery shopping at Coles. So that 10%, if you're going to go and get a mortgage, your mortgage repayments come out after you still save that 10%. So that still has to be done. Um, and I suppose when it comes to that, people look at mortgage repayments and what can they can afford today and what's the, you know, how can they push a loan out as far as possible and what the repayments are. And property prices, obviously, in Australia and as per other parts of the world too, um, are really high. It's, you know, there is mortgage stress out there in the marketplace. So I think you have to consider your mortgage repayments as repaying a debt. Now, if you purchase that property, we know historically property prices go up by at least 6% uh, growth per annum. And so it's not going to happen year in, year out, obviously. Yeah. Some years are going to be more, some years are going to be less. Depends when you're bought in a cycle. But that means the value of your property is going to double in 12 years' time. But in 12 years' time, if you've still got the same level of debt and you haven't repaid that down, I'm just wondering whether, you know, your lifestyle, um, you know, is going to be when you turn 60. So if you've got that mortgage of 40, you're now 50, you've got that same level of debt. Value of your property's gone up, you're now 60 got that same level of debt. Um, so you've got equity in your property, but all of a sudden your ability to, to be able or requirement to want to work and be a bit strained. Yeah, I've seen some comments out there of people saying, you know, I guess the property's going to grow, so just keep, keep taking on debt, keep taking on debt. Um, but do you want to sort of explain what happens when, I guess, if interest rates rise, what happens to those people? Well, I suppose there's a few things there, and that is that there's a difference between your principal place of residence when it comes... We're talking about debt on property. Yeah. So there's a difference between uh, your principal place of residence and investment debt. Uh, that's the first thing. So as an example, you can't claim interest repayments on your principal place of residence, obviously, as a tax deduction in today's climate. Who knows what's going to happen after the next election. But right now, as we sit, you can't claim your mortgage repayments and your principal place of residence as a tax deduction. The interest repayments that you make on investment property, currently, as we sit in today's climate, 
is that you can claim that interest as a tax deduction. So if you own a property that has a, where you live uh, that has a mortgage on it and you have an investment property, I'd always be recommending that you pay down your the debt on your principal place of residence first over and above your mortgage. So to get back to that fact of, I suppose what we see people doing nowadays is actually buying a principal place of residence and going and purely just paying interest only. And that horrifies me. Yeah, I think we've had that discussion and it's, it's not a good place to be, is well, it? Well, you know, my rule is, is, I suppose I come from a conservative upbringing, but, you know, with my dad, it was a case of if you're going to go and borrow money, you know, just make sure you can pay it off in five years' time. And that way, if you have a bad year or the economy downturns or whatever the case may be, you know, and you have to push it out to seven years, you're still going to survive. Now, what that means is I don't necessarily get the house of my dreams first time round, but, you know, maybe I'll do second or third because I've actually got not just that equity, but it's that full savings. And when I see situations where people are suffering mortgage stress and they're paying interest only, that absolutely horrifies me. And they haven't, they're just, I mean, you know, you know my, my rule is really quite simple, Jamie, and that is if you can't afford the principal repayments on your principal raised place of residence, then you can't afford the property. Yep. You have to pay off debt on that principal place of residence. You can't just use that old adage, it'll continually go up, it'll continually go up, because you will, you'll be able to sell an investment property if needs be. Do you know how hard it is to sell your principal place of residence or tell your spouse, we have to sell because we're suffering mortgage stress, interest rates have risen, the economy that I work in is downturn, there's, you know, um, Ford has just closed down and thus my business that supplies to Ford is no longer going to be viable, we're in stress of our job, we're going to lose our house. That They're the conversations I never want to have to have with any clients of ours. Yeah, and I think that comes back to having that goal and purpose when when you're looking to invest. I think a lot of people, a lot of Australians have that property dream. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's having that that, that great Australian dream, uh, but it's also having that goal and purpose as to what you want to invest in from there. Oh, absolutely, and I think there's, I mean, there's once again, there's no problem with borrowing money to invest, but you know, if you can look at your savings, you know, I've got this saying in here and that is. You save the first 10% of your net income, as I mentioned earlier. It's not going to affect your lifestyle. You know, there's there's so many things that you can cut out of the lifestyle. We can go into Tim Gurner or Bernard Sold Avocado and Toast as an example, but as you know, there's a client of ours who owns an accounting firm who I catch up with on a regular basis, and we were down in uh, Northcote at his local favourite cafe um, having uh, breakfast down there, and he said to me, and he said, you know, he's, he's old school Italian, first generation here, parents immigrated over. And he said to me, Tony, I don't understand the fact that all these people in here, they're all complaining they can't afford to buy a house in this area, but they all come and spend $60 for breakfast every morning, including feeding their kids here before school. What's wrong with cornflakes and Vegemite on toast? <laughs> no, I grew up big and strong on Vegemite <laughs> on toast, as you did too. I think you had Vegemite on toast yeah, for 12 I'm, years of school, didn't you? I'm still on that, still on the sandwiches sometimes. Yeah, but but what, what he's saying is, though, is that they don't want to affect their lifestyle, but they still want the other side as well. And, and that's, that's one of the concerns that you have. Or when people scrimp and save and get into that property market, and all of a sudden, you know, there's talk at the moment of potential, we should be dropping interest rates to be able to help the property cycle. 12 months ago, they were saying, 
property is booming, you know, it's uh, no one can get into the market. The, the property market's become, big, oh, we should to save those people. And my philosophy is you should never have bought in the, in the first place. Yeah. If you can't afford principal repayments, you can't afford the property. It's really straight simple as that. I guess we're talking about gearing. Are there other, I guess, options out there with gearing at investments? Or yeah, of course. There's, I mean, there's there's the old adage of margin lending, uh, which I personally think has carries a lot of risk. Yep. Uh, so you're borrowing funds against say an existing share portfolio, etc. Um, you can, you know, pull equity against your house and go and invest that, say, into the share market, etc. Once again, comes with a hell of a lot of risk if there's a severe downturn in the market. My philosophy is, once again, save that 10%. It's no debt attached to it whatsoever. It's, it's savings that you have and you invest that. Against that, because it's totally unencumbered. So you're not taking equity against the property that you saved, etc. It's with your savings, which is totally unencumbered. You can go and use something, and I don't like to talk about products, but uh, you know, one of the major banks has an equity builder product uh, that we use, that I use, that you know Josh uses, other people in here use, and our clients use where you're actually using your own equity or 10% of savings, let's say, and going and borrowing against that. There's no what we call margin calls, and that is that if a particular individual stock was to drop, and it's a P&I loan. So it's no different than what we're saying. So let's say, for example, you've saved yourself $20,000, you go and borrow 40000 against that, you do a five-year P&I loan because you know you can afford to save, say, $2,000 per month. You pay that off over the space of two years. If, if you have a bad year and, and you have to push it out to three, you can. You can push it out over 10 years if you wanted to, but if you've got the savings capacity to pay it off over two years, you do that. Even without any returns on the market, you now got a sixty thousand dollar investment. Go and borrow forty thousand again against it. Yep. Um, you've now got a hundred thousand invested. Pay off that forty grand over the space of two years. It's two grand a month. You know, over the space of two years, the interest you pay is still tax deductible, but it's a principal and interest loan. So what you're doing is, rather than saving the ten percent now, you're using that ten percent to pay off the principal on that loan and investment. You do that over the space of 10 years and just starting off with 20 and 40, 20 and 40 over the space of you know uh, 10 years, and you've got a huge investment portfolio there, totally unencumbered. Now, there's some accountants that might be listening to this and saying, well, how are we going to claim the tax deduction? But you've got 500 grand, totally unencumbered. You know, so it's um, that can draw you a nice income, even you know 25% dividend income yield you know, coming from that uh, is help you can help you repay off yeah, principal off your investment property then. Yep. Well, you can still keep things growing. And this is all on top of the compulsory 9.5% super. Yeah. There's no reason with our markets, there's no reason with our economy, and there's no reason with the incomes that people get, even uh, with the current high tax rates uh, that we have, that you cannot save. It is so easy to cut things out, unnecessary things out of your budget. I don't need a new pair of shoes turning up on my doorstep once a month. You might notice as well. No. Oh, I don't know. When did, oh, when did that one start? Because I've noticed a fair bit of... There's been a lot of packages come through our doors here at Coffin Bond. Yeah, but you might notice they've gone down a bit okay. because there's new goals yeah. that, are, that are there to actually achieve. And, and you know, it's only need so many pairs of shoes. I'm not a amount of Margos. And, but basically, I mean, any excess funds that I have will go towards charity. Yep. So that's for me. But I also have my investment portfolio, which I do exactly what I say then 
go, save, borrow against it, save, borrow against it, save, etc. Yeah, so I guess there is a lot of other options for people out there and in Australia I guess we have that property dream but it was good to touch on there's you know there's a lot of other ways that you can go about savings uh, and, and safely yeah and do it safely and, and that's the key is that you don't have to stretch yourself uh, and I think we mentioned in a few a few podcasts ago as well is that have a reason for doing it so if you're going to be making a sacrifice of being able to save that two thousand dollars a month today as an example, have a reason why you're doing it. Um, having that reason why you're doing it helps with that sacrifice. You know, so it's, um, and just for the listeners, you did turn around and say to me, you know, why do you spend $25 a day going and having a big bowl of green salad yeah. with a piece of chicken and, you know, egg? I'll do it for you for 10 And it's interesting. I went to Coles and bought two big bowl, uh, bags of salad, which I've had the last two days. cost me $4.50. A lot cheaper than the $25 <laughs> one that you're paying for. But is this a, this is a something that people should be trying to educate their kids on? or how, And how would you go about that? Yeah, the, you know, educating your kids is always an issue uh, because... When I was a young man, I very rarely listened to my parents, and I think, you know, uh, my mum's still around, and she'll certainly vouch for that. I still don't listen to her now. <laughs> um, and now I've been uh, blessed with a 20 and a 22-year-old, and they certainly don't listen to me, although one of them is listening a, a bit more, and the other one just has noise reduction headphones in the entire time I try to talk to him. But I think sometimes you have to... The idea, and we've spoken about this before, Jamie, even with yourself, the idea of saving for retirement is like, well, first of all, I don't have to do that anymore because it's done compulsory for me as long as I have a job. And secondly, why the hell would I do that? And it's, I think, though, what we have nowadays is educating your kids. There are so many ways of doing it. The school system doesn't do it. They might teach you accounting or economics, etc. I used to get my dolomites when I was a kid, so mum used to give me a few coins to put into my little Commonwealth dolomites. I, yeah. don't, know if, I don't know if they had that in the city, but that was definitely a country no, we, thing. We, we, and I'm so ancient, and a few people listening to this will understand, is we actually, at our school, we got given a money box which was in the shape of the Commonwealth Bank head office. Oh, there you go. And we used to go and fill coins in that, knowing that the Commonwealth Bank are paying off their commercial loans <laughs> with, with my 20 cents of savings per week. And used to, we used to used to have a bank manager that come around and you'd give your 20 cents over to them and they would stamp your book with the new 20 cents that you put in there. Well, so there you go. I was I earning a fortune. I was on 20 cents. I was on 20. I, I can't remember what I, I did remember, though. My cla- pedal pop lines of five cents. My each. classic story of my mother trying to teach me to save was I think every Saturday I used to get about $20 to go to the football with. Um, and she said, you know, whatever you. Whatever you don't spend, you get to keep and you get to save. Um, I made sure that I spent every single cent of that, whether it was down to five cents of buying a five-cent snake there, I bought it. So I wasn't very good at saving as a well, child. It was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting uh, probably a little bit well, same philosophy as your mother had, uh, bearing in mind that we're not that much difference in age. Are we calm? <laughs> so it's, um, but it's um, my father. I used to sell footy records, and outside Windy Hill, when that was Essendon's home ground, and so all the home games. And a bit more of a successful era back then, probably. Yeah, maybe. So it's uh, Richmond aren't doing this great anyway. <laughs> but it's uh, so. But back there at Windy Hill, you know, I was twelve or thirteen years old, and we'd be earning seventy bucks cash for the day. We got five cents per record that we sold, and then we'd sell heralds after it. And, you know, so we're earning 50, 60, 70 dollars when the average take home wage, you know, this was every home game, so like every second week, but it's only, uh, you know, 
22 rounds and if Essendon made the finals, you got to do the finals. And on grand final day, I think I made nearly 300 bucks. The average Australian wage back then, take home pay, was about $170. So I used to bring home 70 bucks in cash and dad would let me have five bucks because that was basically, because I never got pocket money from my parents. Um, probably never did any jobs to pocket <laughs> money, to be honest. But it's, um, but, you know, dad would let me have five bucks because that would go, a, you know, a really long way. And the rest of it, he would actually put aside and invest for me. And on my 21st birthday, that was a really pleasant surprise that I got given as a, as a birthday present, which, as he said, was just my own money. It was that power of compound. And we, and we have a lot of clients like that that help their kids out with, I guess, bonds and things like that. That, that yeah. it, it's, it's sort of money that they put away to invest for the children and, and come their 21st birthday or some bit later in life, depending yeah. on how, how well behaved the kids are. Um, well, but they bring it out for them. just recently where, you know, it's um, grandparents and a client of ours, a wonderful client of ours, and... Uh, she sold a property which uh, she inherited and 50% of that uh, she decided to put away for her the money that came from that and uh, she agreed with her parents and they put away uh, 50% of that um, on behalf of her two children and her brother's two children which is a substantial sum of money for these four young kids but that's setting them up for life. Yeah. You know, so that was just put away in a tax-effective bond. So in basically 10 years' time, they're going to get a huge start in life, which, you know, I thought was wonderful. I mean, she's only my age, so she's still young, uh, her and her husband. But, you know, what a great opportunity and start for the kids. But what's interesting is her daughter, who I think is only about 19 or 20, worked from the moment she could at KFC. She's investing 25000 of her own money, her own savings. That's exceptional. Yeah. You know, so for a 20-year-old kid, that, that's a kid who is, is going to really set themselves up wonderfully for life. You know, and, she, and she's, got, she's got good smarts about her and things like that, but that's great savings for someone who's 19, 20 years old. That's her own money from KFC. So that, that's the type of stuff which is inspirational. So I think if you want to teach your kids, show them by doing it yourself. Yeah, and that and that that all comes with that education and going through that. So, if anyone out there just wants a chat around that um, and what they're doing in their own lives or need some advice, please reach out to us. But uh, we look forward to our next podcast. Thanks very much, Tony. Thanks a lot, Jamie.